Father, we thank you for this beautiful um, evening time. We are gathered from different places and we are here because we love you and we want to grow in revelation knowledge. Not just in knowledge and information, but revelation knowledge. When your scripture comes alive, when your word becomes flesh, when it becomes real and personal to us, when it begins to change the fiber of our being, when it begins to change our DNA. Lord, we submit to this teaching tonight and we pray that you would speak to each of us, no matter how experienced we are in teaching or receiving the word, we want to know something afresh from your heart. We give you all the praise and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Greetings to all of you in Jesus' name. It is uh, such a joy to come back uh, to be here on this uh, second teaching on discipleship. And I just want to take a moment to thank everybody that prayed for me and uh, and that sent me a wish or that uh, prayed uh, and re released a prophetic word from whatever you heard uh, from the Lord. Uh, that was so kind of you. I'm really blessed. Um, tonight, what we're going to do is go to the next session and we're going to study discipleship a little more further. One of the biggest uh, goals of a discipleship is to uh, be changed, is to be transformed, and for us to become like Jesus, is to no longer uh, be, you know, the same as we were, to no longer be who uh, we used to be, but now to change, to be a different person altogether. Now, the thing is, when we receive Jesus, there is a total change that happens on the inside of us. We are a new born again person. Our spirit man, it comes alive. And yet, that transformation that happens in our spirit, it takes certain process for it to take over uh, every other aspect of our life. And that's what I'd like to focus on today. Uh, I've titled uh, this second teaching as the mindset of discipleship. The mindset of discipleship. If we understand what should be our mindset, if we understand how we should uh, view ourselves, what should be our uh, mental perspective towards discipleship, what should be our perspective towards uh, what God wants us to be like, um, if we can change in our mindset, everything will shift accordingly. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? Which means our entire personality our character, our you know decisions, choices, the views that we develop in life, everything is based on how we think. So if our mindset is correct, then everything else will be correct. And that's why when Jesus came on the earth, he spent a lot of time teaching and re-emphasizing on the mindset of heaven. For example, Jesus spent some time with his disciples and teaching them how we should view money. And he told them, do not be enslaved by money. Do not be a slave to uh, money to the extent that now you are uh, serving both God and money at the same time. And so he was changing their mindset. There was a shift in their viewpoint, their perspective. When he was talking about the problem of lust, he taught them, hey, it's not just about committing physical 
adultery it's about you uh, you know engaging with something in your mind and that is as grievous as uh, engaging in physical adultery and and uh, jesus would change the mindset of how we would look at adultery again when we talk about fasting jesus changed our mindset he he said this is not how it is supposed to be done this is how it's supposed to be done in all the things that were very close to the heart of jesus he made sure to shift the mindset of his disciples and i believe that uh, it is going to be a lifetime process this is not something that we attain overnight but this is something that we have to surrender to uh and be willing to allow the lord to work on us on a daily basis on a weekly basis you know in every season we have to ask the lord to shift our mindset so i'm going to take from take the scripture for today uh from romans chapter 12 and verse 2 and we're going to study on the three aspects of changing our mindset can we read it together uh it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind we know this scripture very well uh there is a invitation to not be conformed there is an invitation to not uh you know be uh, constantly copying the patterns and the behaviors of this world and then there is an invitation for us to be transformed to change to constantly evolve to constantly be different and it is uh, achieved by the renewal of our mind okay so there are three things there the first is to not be confirmed uh, the second is to not is to instead of being conformed to be transformed and the third is how you will be transformed and that is by the renewal of your mind so we will focus on these three things today what does it mean to not be conformed what does it mean to not um you know be be a slave or a victim of the patterns of this world so see when we talk about not being conformed um the main focus here is that when we are in this world when we are born into a physical family when we are born into an environment when we are uh schooled in a particular uh place and in a particular geographic location there is tradition there is patterns there is customs there is drilled down into our minds and uh you know and as we grow up there are things that happen good things and bad things both of it it ends up training us to react in a certain way it tells us this is what is valuable and this is what is not so valuable this is what is important and these are things that we you know should run away from and because of which some of these traumas that we experience early on in life it leaves a deep scar in our hearts so with or without our knowledge we end up becoming uh, somebody that our environment has taught us to be and that is why jesus when he came he said now you need to not be yourself you cannot be yourself you know the world always teaches you a message that just be yourself you know you are who you are you're unique you're awesome just be yourself just enjoy your life and just do whatever you feel like doing and and just 
you know, go with the flow. But Jesus, when he came, he said, don't, don't be yourself. Don't ever think that you're a good person just because, uh, you know, your attitude or the intention of your heart is good. Don't ever think that you are a good person. So you, you cannot be yourself. Instead, when Jesus came, this is what he taught us. It's in Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. Um, the Bible says, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and your sisters, and even your own life. So if you do not want to be confirmed, then this is the first thing that the Lord is asking you to do. He says, now you need to begin by hating. Now that hate is a very strong emotion. You know, when God is telling us to hate people around us, that we have to hate. It's And, and sometimes what we think is that God is asking us to hate our parents and our family members. But if you read the last line, let's go back and read that last line. It says, and hate even your own life. So God is not trying to uh, get you to hate people, but he is asking you to disconnect completely from yourself. He's saying, don't go with the flow. He's saying, don't be yourself. Who you are, as pleasant as you may be, as well-educated and well-mannered as you may be, you need to come to a place where you hate your own life. So, Jesus is not saying, okay, your father or your mother is bad, you know, so now hate them. That's what we think, right? When we want to distance away from some relationships, we would do it because we don't like that person or we don't want that person in our personal space. But Jesus is not saying because they are bad or because they have, uh, you know, a bad intention towards you. He's saying you need to become someone else to become my disciple. So you need to begin to hate yourself. You need to hate the environment that you were brought up in. You need to disconnect from that. Uh, now, please understand what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to uh, start speaking hateful words against your own self or your own body or uh, begin to hate, uh, you know, some of the things that you're struggling, hate yourself because of some of the things that you're struggling with or uh, begin to hate the people around you because, you know, of whatever they have done to you. No, I'm, I'm not asking you to just go on an emotional rant here. I'm asking you to change your mindset, to, to grow up to a place where you're no longer connected to your environment, to your world. Uh, and, and the Bible says, Jesus says, your, your ability to be my disciples is based on this. If you, if you can't get this right, then you can't be my disciples. If you don't get this right, then you cannot really uh, fulfill the mantle, the goal of being a disciple of Jesus. And um, this is something that we'll have to keep doing in every season of our life because um, there can be a time when this may come naturally to us, especially let's say that you have a habit of, uh, uh, you know, lying and then, you know, you hate yourself. You're like, no, 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 I, I, I can't do this. And you, you, you want to disconnect from that habit and all of that. And then later on, you begin to become a person that you like. 
and you like yourself and you like how people view you and you like how uh, the environment you are in you're in a good spiritual godly environment and it, it and before you know you just that just becomes your new crutch uh, that will stop you from being a disciple of Jesus that that will become your new uh, cocoon that you want to just be in and not get out of that comfort zone and that is why Jesus said this has to be a, a constant affair of hating yourself last time when we spoke about our relationship with Jesus we uh, read that scripture from Matthew where Jesus said come to me give me all your heavy burdens give me all your uh, struggles give me everything that you are carrying on yourself and take my yoke upon you right so there is an exchange of yoke that Jesus invited us to and this is how we do that we we come to Jesus and we give him whatever we were programmed by whatever we were tuned into doing and you know whatever who we were we we give it into his hands and we uh, receive something else we receive his nature his personality yeah i'm going to read another scripture this is galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 apostle paul he says because of that cross okay my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died why because of that cross now he is talking about a uh, you know something that is beyond death i mean something that is beyond hate he is talking about death he is saying it's no, no longer just a feeling of hate towards the environment that i live in now it's about me dying to the world around me it's uh, to the point of um those things not affecting me anymore people's opinions not affecting me anymore people's uh you know conversations not having any weightage in my head anymore i reached a place now where i am daily allowing my desires my inclinations in you know for the world to die to be crucified because of that cross and again like i told you he is not doing this because the world around him was very sinful he is saying this because he he knows how valuable it is for him to uh, pursue the cross pursue what is on the other side of this death you know on the other side of experiencing this cross and he says it is because of that cross because of what jesus did for me because of what he revealed to me now the world has been crucified and and my interest the world's interest in me has also been crucified and my interest in the world my desire of the world my ambitions everything has been crucified and this is a process that i have to engage in in every season every uh week every day if we can wake up and we can confess galatians 6 verse 14 and just replace the word world with different things saying because of that cross my interest in this uh a uh, family or my interest in this church my interest when i say my interest i'm saying i i'm i'm saying i want to die you know my ambitions to be in this marriage i i i'm crucifying that my ambition for being working in this you no know, job or career or business it is crucified my self 
interest in wanting to pursue this particular uh, ministry or you know uh, anointing i'm willing to let it die and and the world's interest in me which means people's expectations my family's expectations my church's expectations i'm willing to let all of them die on a daily basis and that that is uh, sometimes very painful my dear friends i'm telling you that it's very easy to have a uh, an ordinary relationship with jesus uh, where we believe in him and we just want to be good christians but you tell me about a lifestyle of crucifying your interests in the world around you and crucifying the interests that the world has in you that is a very painful process you may sometimes even end up like apostle paul where he said everybody has deserted me can you imagine the greatest apostle in the first century church everybody deserted him not because he had, he had any lack of anointing not because his theology was wrong not because uh, he didn't have revelations and encounters with god he he was one of the most anointed guys in that church and yet he writes in one of the letters saying everybody in asia has deserted me except these few people what what was the reason for that it was because he had decided that i'm not going to please people he had decided that pleasing people and serving christ is not an option i i can do only one of it either i can please god or i can please people so if i'm going to try and do both i'm going to be in a big soup so he he he, he would make this conf- confession on a daily basis my interest in the world has died and the world's interest in me has also died the next scripture uh, this is second timothy chapter 2 and verse 22 uh, we remember this very well we teach this in youth conferences sometimes it says run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust which means run from temptations run from desires that are you know just uh, uh going to lead you astray so the first thing that jesus said is you need to hate yourself hate is a attitude is a is a shift in mindset that you need to have the second that apostle paul said is you need to consider your interest your ambition in the world around you and the world's interest in you as dead the third that apostle paul says is now there are going to be those things that will want to lure you in and in that time you don't sit and uh, consult and talk and try to discuss how this is good or bad you'll just run away that is an aggressive uh, pursuit away from that uh, temptation away from that uh, pattern of lifestyle now when apostle paul said do not conform to the patterns of this world it is not just something that we have to uh take it very lightly it's a very aggressive approach of not copying the patterns of the world it means we aggressively run the other direction we intentionally run the other direction in order to fulfill the mandate that god has placed on our lives the problem with many people in the church today is that some people they overdo this part and some people they overdo the other part like for example some people they only teach people to die and die and die and some people they don't teach them to die they just said no 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 everything in your life is going to be good you just think like this you just feel like this you just believe this 
and it will be all right. But the balance of Christian life is that we need to know what to not copy and we need to know what to run after. So Paul, he explains this very well, especially in 2 Timothy 2.22. If you read the complete verse, it says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust and pursue after righteousness, pursue after faith and do it in the company of those who will call upon God with a pure heart. So he's not just asking you to run away from something and he's also asking you to run towards something. So when we go back to Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that says, do not conform, do not copy. It is now, it has to be balanced where we say, okay, yes, these are the things, these are areas where I have to die. These are areas where I have to hate. These are areas where I have to run. These are areas where I have to disconnect myself, disengage who I am in this particular environment. I have to shift my mindset. I have to shift, shift my uh, emotions when it comes to these, these attitudes. I have to shift my, uh, you know, aggression, how, 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 uh, you know, uh, intentionally I will run out of a situation. I'll run away from a situation, how I will avoid a situation. I have to do that very intentionally, but then it doesn't just finish with that. Christianity is not just about what we avoid. It's also about what we embrace. Yeah. So then we go to the next part of what Apostle Paul said. It is to be transformed. The first is do not conform, but be transformed. So I'm going to read a few scriptures and, and we're going to try to understand how does that movement of transformation occur? Uh, you know, the point of this transformation that is necessary in our life is that um, sometimes there are there can be things that we do over and over again that unless a moment of revelation comes we we don't know that this is right or this is wrong we we don't understand if this is uh, going to hurt us or harm us you know and and so sometimes it's very necessary for us to have that moment of encounter moment of opening up of our eyes now this is not just for our salvation even if you've been saved even if you've been following jesus for a long period of time from time to time you need that transforming experience that one encounter from god that one revelation from god you know if you read uh, you know the epistle of galatians paul would write to them saying hey you began in the spirit but now are you trying to be perfected in the flesh uh, which means that you began following God because of a spiritual reason, because of a spiritual encounter. But now you, you, you're continuing to pursue that God relationship in the flesh. It doesn't work like that. It, you cannot just be filled you know, in the spirit only in the start and then hope that the rest of the journey will be in the flesh. Which means that it has to, the spiritual encounter that we had at the beginning has to be constantly pursued regularly because that is what brings in the transformation. It is not all the Bible study that you do. It is not all the, you know, meetings that we attend, but there can be that one encounter movement in one meeting or that can be that one rhema movement during your Bible study. And it is that particular movement of transformation that shifts, that changes who you are and 
Jesus explained this to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17 when he said, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. Which means you did not get this revelation because of the flesh and blood around you or because of your physical environment. Now, you remember what Apostle Paul said, do not cap, do not conform or copy the patterns or the behaviors of this world. Uh, so it is because it is not the world or the flesh and the blood that you are surrounded by, which is going to give you a revelation. Now, Apostle Peter, he was surrounded by flesh and blood, but his encounter, that revelation movement, it came from heaven. And that revelation is what changed his mindset. And that revelation is what now allowed him to pursue after Jesus to understand what does this really mean? How do I steward this well? You know, because unless we have that revelation movement, it doesn't matter how, how ferociously you study the Bible, how much you read scripture, it is going to still not, you know, mean anything to you. So we have to ask the Lord to not just give us, uh, you know, information, but we have to ask God for revelation. We need to ask God for encounters. We need to expect those life transforming movements every single day, every single day. Because the book of John chapter 3 verse 6, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and he said, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit, he gives birth to spiritual life. In other translations, it says flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh only can produce flesh. Humans can only produce human life, but, but the spirit of God, when the spirit of God is birthing new things in your uh, atmosphere, in your mind, in your relationships, that can create spiritual life. Can you imagine? Uh, the choices that you make because of a spiritual revelation that you get, the business decisions that you get because there is spiritual life, not just because of, because it's a, it's logically a good opportunity, but because it's a spiritual decision. Uh, the choice to decide where you're going to minister or where you're going to preach, that it is not just going to be an emotional or logical choice, but it becoming a, a spiritual choice. Now, for that, you need to ask God for this kind of encounters. You need to ask God for uh, this kind of revelation. And sometimes it, it is something that, you know, comes because of your active pursuit. And other times it comes because of God's sovereignty in your life. You know, sometimes we get an encounter because we... Uh, even when we don't deserve it, even when we're not expecting it, even when we're not asking for it, we get that encounter. But other times we get that encounter because of our hunger. Now, we, we, we can't, we can't, you know, uh, twist God's hand when it comes to his sovereignty because Jesus, uh, he stopped by at the well and he spoke to the woman at the well and he, and he gave her an encounter. She was not expecting it. She was not praying for it. She was not asking for it. But on the other hand, Jesus stopped at the tree where Zacchaeus was climbing up. And uh, Jesus said, tonight I want to have dinner with you. Here was a man who worked hard for it. He ran. He, he 
pursued something and he prioritized something and he made sure to be in the right place at the right time at the right moment for Jesus to give him that encounter so now we can't always predict when this encounter comes but we can position ourselves so that we don't miss out on a single encounter see the posture of our heart it will prepare us to make the most of this encounter to receive the uh, you know the most from this encounter from this uh, relationship that we will have at that moment uh, if solomon i'm just thinking about this if solomon was not trained well by king david when he had his encounter with god and god would ask him what do you want name anything tell me what do you want i'm sure that he would have prayed for success in his kingdom or he would have prayed for all of his enemies to be dead or he would have prayed for uh, all the wealth and the money in the world or he would have prayed for things that uh, would have only benefited him physically tangibly for a particular period of time but because his heart was discipled correctly when that moment of encounter came when that uh, moment of experiencing god came he asked the right thing he prayed for the right uh, you know request and and i hope that we will not waste our encounters so many christians they have amazing encounters with god but it doesn't seem to transform their life they will be in church week after week sometimes slain in the power of the holy spirit but then they get up and they behave the exact same way but i hope that today if you are going to Uh, not conform to the patterns of this world not conform to the world around us then the transformation that you experience will really be be life lasting because uh, th- this is a spiritual movement this is a this is a very um uh, sacred you know encounter when when your spirit receives something from god's spirit and it is able to create life just like when two human beings come together and it produces another human being it produces another human life when your spirit has that encounter moment with god's spirit and then there is something birthed out of that something beautiful that is birthed out of their encounter how you will manage that how you will make the most of it will depend on how prepared you are i'll read uh, john chapter 4 and verse 13 Jesus replied to this woman he she said he said anyone who drinks this water that you're you know drawing out from this well will soon become thirsty again but those who drink the water that i give will never be thirsty again instead it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life which means they receive from this well regularly it's a well that doesn't dry up it's a well that i can access any time i want now the first encounter is when the well comes within you then it is a daily uh, attitude of drawing from that well you know which is going to transform you drawing from the well and taking a shower in the water that comes from the well drinking of the water that is in that well now that well is within you now that well is it says that it becomes a fresh bubbling spring where not around them but within them so there is constant 
water that is coming out of this fresh bubbling spring. Now, it is up to us to constantly draw it out, constantly receive encounters with this Spirit of God and as a result of it, produce eternal life, produce uh, stuff, produce businesses, produce, uh, you know, relationships, produce uh, uh, content uh, ministries that will last for eternity. There are ways in which you can do things here where it will, it will not perish after your death. If it is birth in your, in your flesh, then when your flesh perishes, whatever you have birthed in the flesh will perish with it. But if it's been birthed in the spirit, then it will not perish whenever your flesh perishes. It will continue to stay even after your flesh perishes because now it is uh, spirit. Now it is, you know, carrying uh, 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 the spirit of God and it can be there. It can, it can stay for eternity. Now, what's the first thing that I said? Do not confirm. Second is to be transformed. I was teaching you the importance of, of being transformed, of that encounter movement, that revelation movement, that moment where flesh and blood doesn't reveal something to you, but your Father in heaven, He drops an encounter into your spirit. He drops a revelation into your spirit where you say, wait a minute, He's no longer a prophet. He's no longer a rabbi. He's in fact Messiah. He's, he's somebody greater than who we thought him to be. And that revelation moment, it needs to now begin to define how we live in the next season of our life. We cannot have an encounter with God and, uh, and waste that encounter. Uh, and, uh, and this is where our ability to renew our mind, because Apostle Paul said, do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means that if you're not renewing your mind, then this transformational experience, it is not going to do anything to you. If you're not constantly changing how you think. Now, when God gives you a revelation, you need to research. You need to read scriptures. You need to ask questions and, and find out more about it. And if you don't constantly renew your mind, you are going to be in a loss for uh, that encounter. You are going to lose that encounter before you know. You are That encounter is not going to be of any benefit or any blessing to you. And that is where uh, the question of how do we renew our mind? What does it take to change the way that we think? Now, for me, this is what I do. For me, my social media is the Bible. You know, the way that we would scroll on our Facebook or our Instagram, that's how I scroll through the pages of Scripture. I read it day in and day out. Now, some people uh, may not have the freedom or the ability to read the Scripture throughout and constantly, but I, I enjoy doing this. You know, for me, reading the Bible is my social media. You know, that is where I get fed. That is where I get entertained. That is where I do my time pass. Everything, I, I do it with the Word of God. You know, I I would listen audio Bible. I would read from different translations. I would uh, watch videos that described what is in the Bible, but I would spend a, a lot of time every single day exposing myself to what is in the Bible. Because whatever you expose yourself to, it begins to change your 
mindset that your your mind is renewed on a daily basis by what you expose itself to like if you're constantly listening to news channels that tell you this is a very bad time and the economy is bad and the health sector is bad and you know no jobs are available now then you are going to be living in fear your mind is going to be automatically uh, you know molded and mentored by the content that you're being fed by but instead if you're going to expose yourself to god's word day in and day out and and you're allowing the word of god to be just the the most prominent the most a uh, loudest voice in your mind then what would happen to the way that you think what would happen to the way that you make your choices the lord spoke to joshua in joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 and he, and he told him study this book of instruction continually meditate on it one more time just read it carefully what does it say meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it isn't this amazing god is not saying meditate on it once in the morning and once in the night he's saying meditate on it day and night yes you need to study this but the process of meditation has to go beyond the time that you're reading it now the amount of time that you would probably be in a class like this where you're studying scripture maybe very less but you will have to learn to meditate on it again and again through the course of your day like you you may be uh, doing something that doesn't necessarily require your mind to be actively involved in it you need to bring back what was taught and you need to keep chewing on it you need to keep uh, you know meditating on it and gleaning more and more from what you were taught or from what you read in the bible on that morning or what you understood what 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 was the revelation that came to you you need to just keep on meditating on it again and again and again most of us what we do is we get a revelation we say wow what a revelation this is amazing you know and and we go on to our normal routine that's such a sad thing because most people that followed jesus they did that they saw you know great teaching they saw great miracles but they went back to live their ordinary lives only 12 people left everything to run after the revelation that they received everybody else they preferred other things where there were thousands of people in different cities in different setups that received that revelation but only 12 of them had the guts at the audacity to leave everything to follow that revelation day and night The Bible says read this one more time it says meditate on it day and night so what will happen is that you will now be sure to obey everything written in it one more time meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it you want to know how to obey God's word meditate on it day and night just just focus on it day and night don't don't stop thinking about the word you know in whatever season whatever is happening don't stop meditating on it just keep meditating on it day and night and that is what is going to help you to um, uh, just be able to obey that word it's not just enough that we 
know the word now it is necessary that we obey the word right but that obedience the power to obey will come by our ability to meditate on it you know that now neuroscience is so developed that they can now prove this on paper on how when you think a particular thought there is a particular neuron that is fired from one place in your brain to another place in your brain and the more number of times that you keep thinking on that particular thing there is a pathway that is created in your brain and of course they can show you scans and uh, you know pictures to prove that new neural pathway that is formed in your brain and as a result of it what happens is this becomes your behavior this becomes your new you the old you was what you inherited because of your dna and what we were taught all this while is that your dna cannot be changed but now science is coming to believe that hey your dna can be upgraded by changing the way that you think this is what scripture taught us like 2000 years back that when you change the way that you think when you meditate on god's word day and night you will now be sure to obey it you you're hoping that you can you know go join some center or some rehabilitation program to get out of that you know habit no you don't need to you need to meditate on god's word day and night and meditating on god's word day and night will give you the ability to obey everything that is written in it the second key in being able to renew your mind is uh, to change what you think about not just when you're thinking about uh, the revelation that you received where you meditate on god's word but where do you focus all of your attention in apostle paul said it like this in colossians chapter 3 verse 2 think about the things of heaven not the things of the earth think about the things of heaven which means uh, there are so many things that we may have uh, to deal with on a day to day basis but we have to learn to stop thinking of those things we have to stop thinking of things on the earth we have to stop thinking of things in our physical environment and focus on things in our uh, in in, in in heaven in our spiritual environment and when we begin to um think on things that are in our physical environment the, we, our decisions will all be um very physical in nature but when we constantly think about things of heaven that's why jesus said do not store up your treasure on the earth where uh, it can get corrupted where it can be stolen where it can lose its value instead store your treasures in heaven because where your treasure is there your heart will also be what he is asking us to do is to not live your life focused on the earth focused on the world around you so don't don't constantly think about the earth about things happening on the earth realm like the fact that you know in about 20 years from now my kids will be in college so i need to now start praying for it Uh, you know saving up for it budgeting for it planning for it and and you work or every choices that you make you make it around the fact that you need to in 20 years send your kids to college and 
and that is what the bible says that we are thinking we are bothered we are just caught up with the things on the earth but instead if if our thought patterns are constantly things of heaven okay and now we come from heavenly wisdom to deal with earthly problems then it becomes easy for you to know how you should handle the need for your money to send your kids to college in 20 years you're not any longer functioning in earthly wisdom now you'll be functioning in heavenly wisdom i'm not against you budgeting or planning or saving up i'm just saying that we cannot think like everybody else on the earth we cannot think like unbelievers we cannot think like those whose spiritual eyes are not opened we have to think the way that uh, you know scripture teaches us to think we have to think the way that our eyes are able to see how many of you know that we may be living on the earth but we are seated in heavenly places if we are seated in heavenly places then we need to be thinking heavenly thoughts we need to be seeing people from heaven's mindset from heaven's perspective and every time we just fail in that we have failed in our mandate to exercise the authority from being seated in a heavenly place we we are, we are going to be limited by our ability to think if we cannot think things of heaven we will not function as heavenly beings we will still function we may you know claim to be born again believers we may claim to be people that are part of the church for so many decades but we will still function as uh, you know the the people of the world we will still function as people that had even if they didn't have jesus even if they didn't have the holy spirit they would have made the exact same choice or decision that you know there's you being seated in heavenly places make no difference because you're not thinking heavenly thoughts so let's read that verse one more time colossians chapter 3 verse 2 think about the things of heaven not the things of earth if we can just actively pursue this constantly pursue this first meditate on the word of god day and night second think from heavenly perspective think from god's eyes think look at people from god's vantage point look at situations from god's perspective from heaven's viewpoint and constantly you know just get this uh, as a keep it as a check in your heart saying am i thinking of things on the earth or things in heaven this this particular decision i'm struggling with is it a decision that uh, you know heaven is concerned about or it is something that only matters in front of my friends you know uh, constantly keep checking your heart to see are these things that are heavenly or they are things of the earth and last but not least but this is like a a favorite verse for me and this is something that i constantly uh, you know evaluate my thought life with and this really helps to um change uh, a lot of uh times there is you know especially if you're in christian ministry and you're dealing with a lot of uh, dirt day in and day out you're dealing with a lot of people who have struggles it is very natural to sometimes begin to dwell on the problem instead of dwelling on the solution and so this is the scripture that i run to it's philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 very powerful it says 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fits your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Read it one more time. Fits your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and that are worthy of praise. One more, one last time. I want you to just read it out. Just, you know, just filter some of the thoughts in your head this evening. It says, fits your thoughts on what is true. Are there untrue thoughts in my head? Fits your thought on what is honorable. Are there dishonorable things that I have fixed my thoughts on? Fits your thoughts on what is right. Are there, you know, morally wrong things that I have fixed my eyes on or my thoughts on? Fits your thoughts on what is pure. Are there impure things that I've, I have been giving a lot of attention to and my mind is revolving around it? Are there, uh, and it says, fits your thoughts on what is lovely. What is lovely in God's eyes? Can I fix my thought on what is lovely? And then it says, fits your thoughts on what is admirable. You know, things that are admirable. And then it says, fits your thoughts on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So there are things that may not necessarily be excellent. So Paul is saying, fits your thoughts on things that are excellent. Not things that are mediocre, not things that are, okay, I can make do with this. No, things that are excellent and also things that are worthy of praise. Are the things that you're meditating on, things that are worthy of praise, things that are excellent. So if you can constantly just, you know, go back to Philippians 4 verse 8. And there are some eight qualities that are mentioned there, right? If you can change your thought patterns on a daily basis, you know, first day, you can begin with things that are true, which means every lie, you know, that you've believed, you'll have to get rid of them. And uh, second day, begin to meditate on what is honorable. And, and, and you think of ways to meditate on honorable things, things that God celebrates, things that is you know, is high in God's, you know, perspective, then things that are right, things that are pure, meditate, fits your thoughts on them, fits your thoughts on them. So, uh, you know, one, of course, you know, we have to have the word of God that we meditate on day and night. Second, we need to have uh, everything that we look at, we have to look at it from uh, heaven's perspective and not the earth's perspective. And third, it is necessary that we also have thoughts that are going to be true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. When we constantly change our mindset, our thought patterns to think on these things, then we have truly renewed our minds. I'm going to read this verse from the Amplified Bible. I don't have it on the screen, but I, I just want to read this uh, from the Amplified Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, uh, fashioned after and adapted to 
its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed in fact, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and the new attitude that you get in your mind, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good, acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. So what happens when you live a lifestyle like this is that you know the good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. Our goal in uh, our journeying with God is that we will not just do what is uh, our will, not my will, but His will. Jesus, when He was teaching on the mount, He said, Not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter into the kingdom of God. I don't think it's just talking about what happens if if you'll make it to heaven, if you'll go to heaven or not. It's also talking about what we will experience on this side of eternity. If we will have the kingdom of God experience here on the earth. And it says that if you want to know the will of your father in heaven, then you need these three qualities. You need to be constantly uh, working on not conforming to the ideals and the customs of this world. And you need to be constantly working at transformation and renewal, change. Uh, and you need to be constantly working on the thoughts that are going on in your mind, your attitude, your ideals. It has to shift. Now, for you know, changing the 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 patterns that that we have been clinging to, Jesus taught us to hate. Jesus taught us to hate ourselves. Jesus taught us to not be. Uh, two deep lovers of our own, you know, uh, comfort zones and things that we enjoy a lot. Then Apostle Paul said, you need to, uh, you know, die to the uh, world and the world's interest in you need to die because of this cross. Further, we understood that now it has to become an aggressive running away from the customs and the patterns of the world by fleeing youthful lusts. But that's not enough. It's necessary that we are transformed, right? And how do we get transformed? By the Spirit of God. Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And that is why Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. It, it came as a rhema revelation from my Father in heaven. So if we constantly posture ourselves in a place where we will draw out the water, draw out the bubbling spring that is already placed within us, then we will receive this constant transformation experience. We will receive revelations that will open our eyes. We may have read the same scripture for 10,000 times, but the time that you experience a revelation, you will see that same scripture from a, a new light. Yeah, and, and that is why you need to just expose yourself and, you know, posture yourself in a place of wanting to receive an encounter. Like Zacchaeus would run and reprioritize his day, reprioritize how people will look at him. He, 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 his interest in the world died and his interest was only in who Jesus was and how he looks and, and how he 
uh, would how it would feel like to be around Jesus. His his focus was just Jesus, and because of which he received that encounter, that experience with Jesus. Now, what do we do with that encounter? Do we just walk away from it, saying praise God, or do we now meditate on it day and night? Do we change the way that we look at the world around us by looking at it from heavenly perspective? Now. Is our thoughts aligning to that new encounter that we received? Now do we go back thinking thoughts that are true and right and admirable and honorable and worthy of praise and excellent? Or do we continue to think the old pattern of thoughts? Now this will tell us if we are able to understand the good, the pleasing and the perfect will of God for us. You know, Sometimes, you, you know, when, when we are growing in the ability of the prophetic, you would understand that, you know, not everything that you catch in the prophetic realm is necessarily the, the good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. Uh, some things are because we want it like this. And then God would say, okay, if this is what you want. Let it be so. And and then you, you know, you as a prophet, you're as somebody who's hearing from God, you're, you, you go back to that person, and you tell them, hey, you know what? Yeah, God is saying, go ahead and do it. But then if you know the heart of God, you know that that, that was not God's heart. God's heart was that this person would not you know, do that particular choice, do that particular thing. But because he, you know, stayed and, and he, he wouldn't uh, repent and he wouldn't change his perspective or he, he doesn't see things from God's vantage point, then God changes the decision. You know, this is just my opinion. L let me just finish with this. You know, if you read the story of how Hezekiah prayed when Isaiah went and told him, you're about to die, Hezekiah prayed and he said, uh, God, remember everything that I have done and don't let this happen. And, and immediately God spoke to Hezekiah. I mean, God spoke to Isaiah and Isaiah went back and gave Hezekiah this word that God is extending your lifestyle by, life by another 15 years. Uh, now, when Hezekiah uh, received that promise, uh, do you think that it was in God's will for his life to be extended by 15 years? Now, Jesus taught us, you will know the tree by its fruits. What was the fruit of that extended life of 15 years? You know, you would see that the next 15 years that his life got extended, he, he, he was completely off of the grace that he experienced in the last season of his life. Hezekiah was used by God to steer the greatest revival in the nation of Judah. Okay, and during the days of King Hezekiah, the Bible says even the priests and the leaders of Israel, they came to Judah and they would worship along with the people of Judah. Even the nation of Israel participated in what, you know, the, the nation of Judah did. And yet right now, what is happening is that uh, because Hezekiah is in this place where he doesn't um, you know, acknowledge God where he's in this place where he doesn't know what is happening. He is, uh, he is not even in his right senses. He is making choices and, and decisions that is completely outside of God's plan for his life. 
and at one point the enemy came into his house and the enemy was given access into his bedroom where the enemy could see all the money he has all the wealth he has and at one point the prophet sent him a word saying you know what disaster is coming to you you know what hezekiah said oh that's that's a good thing because it it will not happen in my lifetime it will be to my children it's okay uh, you know and hezekiah had lost his um his entire frame of reference in the next 15 years in fact in that 15 years he gave birth to the next king of israel manasseh uh, who did not experience the revival like all the other kings of israel all the other sons that were born during the days of revival and as a result manasseh became the next king of judah and uh, under the leadership of manasseh the nation of judah Uh, walked away from god and did more pagan and more defiled things than even the uh, nations of the world you know that's what the bible says that they began to you know do more to be more defiled than the world around them so what was the result of that 15 years of extension that hezekiah got he walked away from his uh, first devotion to god his trust was no longer in god his trust was in the help of the babylonians he gave birth to manasseh he he was no longer functioning in revival his uh, he his grace to make the right choices and right decisions everything was gone and now he is acting in his own ability and in his own flesh so if you'd ask me i think that it was better it was safer it was the will of god the good pleasing and the perfect will of god for him to have died 15 years back that he he should not have asked or pushed for that next 15 years now this is where you have to understand that uh, that your renewal of mind is very important when your mind is renewed you wouldn't see death as such a bad thing when your mind is renewed you wouldn't see what god is asking you to do as a very evil thing you you would be okay in going forward with it even if that is not something that is immediately pleasing and acceptable for you so apostle paul says do not conform second be transformed third be renewed in your mind because when you do this then you will know the good pleasing and the perfect will of god then you will be able to enter into the kingdom of god here on the earth then you will be able to live your life to its fullest potential i hope this word spoke to you i hope you can spend some time meditating on some of these scriptures again during the course of this week and and that the lord will speak to you more you know as you meditate on it uh, if you're okay with it just if 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 you're okay in joining me on video just just come on video and i'd love to just pray for you in this next uh, uh, few seconds just praying together just seeking the heart of god just declaring that uh, this will become your lifestyle that you will know the good the pleasing and the perfect will of god the good the pleasing and the perfect will of god a true disciple of jesus cannot be living in doubt he cannot be living in uh, um in condemnation he cannot be living in fear he cannot be living in a double minded uh, you know way of thinking a true disciple of jesus needs to have a clear understanding of where he is headed so let's pray together father i pray over your children right now lord i i declare that 
each of us, we will have a revelation movement right now. And as a result of this revelation, Daddy, that we will know what is the good, the pleasing and the perfect will of God for us. And, and Daddy, we know that we have to go through this process of not conforming, but being constantly transformed and giving ourselves to the renewal of the mind. So we pray that you would show us uh, the sacrifices that we need to make, the debts that we need to die, the 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 running away that we need to do. We, we pray also that you would give us those encounter revelation moments where our eyes are open to new realities. And we also pray that you will give us the grace to shift our thinking, to fix our thoughts on things that are really valuable in your sight. We thank you for your dear children, Lord. We bless them with the grace to exercise and, and obey this word, to meditate on this word day and night. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.